This week's TribCast is sponsored by UT Arlington's commitment to excellence keeps Texas strong with highly skilled graduates for the Texas workforce and life-changing research. Find out more at uta.edu. And Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center, delivering quality healthcare to underserved areas throughout Texas by expanding vital telehealth services. Learn more at telehealthfortexas.com. Hello and welcome to the Texas Tribune TribCast for May 26, 2023. It is the end of a crazy day, a crazy week, and a crazy month in Texas politics, uh, culminating yesterday with the House General Investigating Committee disclosing that it had recommended the impeachment of Attorney General Ken Paxton. 20 articles of impeachment delivered to the Texas House yesterday. They have been distributed and the House revealing today that they're expecting to vote on impeachment at 1 p.m. today, a major kind of earth shattering week in Texas politics. Joining us today to discuss this, our politics reporter, Patrick Spitek. Hey, Patrick. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining. And politics reporter, James Bettergon. Hey, James. Hey, Matthew. Hey, James. So walk us through this 20 articles of impeachment. How did we get here? And what is Ken Paxton accused of? Well, it's as you said, it's been a stunning week here in the Texas House, uh, starting on Tuesday when the General Investigating Committee revealed to the public that they had been investigating Attorney General Ken Paxton since March. Uh, four crimes that were alleged by the whistleblowers in 2020, uh, some of his top deputies who, who accused him of crimes. That investigation uh, went beyond even what the whistleblowers alleged and even touched on his previous securities fraud charges from 2015, which are still ongoing. Um, it is stretched into a the a potential two property homestead exemptions rather than just the one uh, allowed by Texas law. And now we have the 20 articles of impeachment against Ken Paxton that have been recommended by the committee to the House. Um, and that is where we are on the precipice of this really historic moment on Saturday. He would be the first attorney general to sit uh, for impeachment if indeed uh, House lawmakers decide to push that forward to the Senate. So a kind of new revelation coming from the committee about uh, Paxton having two homestead exemptions, um, a, uh, you know, something that is against the law, not legal, but also maybe not the highest in the ranking of, of Ken Paxton scandals, you know, something we've seen before. Governor Rick Perry had this problem uh, once before as well uh, back in the day uh, when he was running for governor. But, um, you know, some of these other things are things that we've already known about, particularly what was laid out by the whistleblowers, um, allegations of um, bribery, um, inappropriate relationship with donors, um, kind of interfering with some of the duties of the AG's office, um, perhaps to tip the hand for uh, Nate Paul, one of his. his yeah, not donors. perhaps. They're, they're, they're accusing. That's yep. what they're accusing him yep. of, of using the attorney general's office to benefit his friend and political donor, Nate Paul. Right, right. Patrick, all of those things we have known about since 2021, the last time the legislature met. Why why is this happening now? Well, it depends who you ask. Um, according to House leadership, uh, this was all triggered by Paxton's request to the legislature to authorize taxpayer dollars to pay for that settlement 
with the whistleblowers. Um, you know, and in fact, in the memo, the latest memo that we saw from the General Investigating Committee, uh, you know, there was a, a bolded sentence in it that said, you know, we, we cannot emphasize enough that this impeachment wouldn't be happening if Paxton had not asked the legislature, um, you know, for these uh, this taxpayer funded settlement. Uh, so that is that is their explanation. You know, uh, the, the speaker's office has said that when Paxson came to the legislature earlier this year to ask for that settlement, he did not provide enough evidence or support um, for his need um, for the state funds for that settlement. So that's their side of the story. Of course, if you're with Paxton, um, you know, or even if you're on the fence, you know, you can't help but, you know, acknowledge the political context here, which is that Ken Paxton represents, um, you know, comes from a wing of the Texas Republican Party uh, that is persistently critical of the Texas House, constantly dogging it as insufficiently conservative. Um, you know, Ken Paxton and his, you know, doesn't do that you know, every day in his, you know, uh, job as attorney general, but there's no doubt um, where his bread is buttered and what kind of faction of the Republican Party in Texas he he comes from. And so, you know, to his supporters, um, you know, this reeks of uh, political retaliation uh, because he he comes from that part of the and, party. And he, feel, he fueled those speculations on Tuesday prior to the committee's meeting when he, um, put out a, a message sort of accusing Speaker Phelan of being intoxicated on the dais, which is a thing that had been sort of floating around. And then right after that, then that's, that's when the committee sort of made public that it, actually it's an investigation about you. And perhaps that's why you're trying to create the smokescreen. Yeah, yeah. The, that the allegation of Phelan being intoxicated of coming from a video from, you know, a few days earlier where feeling at the end of a very long day presiding over the house seemed to be slurring his speech. Uh, many people uh, in the kind of hard right were, were jumping on that video saying that he seemed like he was drunk. Um, that calling for feeling to resign, which, uh, you know, that was right before we knew what was about to happen in the general investigating committee was its own sort of dramatic uh, yeah. event. But I mean, James, what we have here is kind of you know, Republicans going after Republicans here. This is not a Democratic House impeaching a uh, Republican president. This right. is a Republican controlled House going after a Republican right. attorney general. Yeah. And and just for the record, uh, for listeners uh, and our audience, we have asked persistently that question about uh, Dade Phelan and whether he was drunk. Um, and we just have not been able to get an answer, uh, I think, from from the speaker's office. So those questions have been made. I know there's, 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 there is obviously concern from some people about what that was there. But to your point, Matthew, yes, I mean, this is a continuation of the infighting between Republicans, uh, the more conservative social far right wing of the party, and the more establishment Republican um, that has been in some iteration, really, for the last uh, decade or so, I think. Um and that that is what we're seeing. But I think to Patrick's point, you know, the the House is saying, well, we started this investigation because of the settlement. Um, I don't, I you know, uh, I guess we take them at face value. But for me, like politically, I just don't understand why they wouldn't have been able to do this kind of investigation before. I mean, these these allegations by the whistleblowers were known since 2020. The securities fraud charges were, were known since 2015. So, I mean, there was plenty of room for them to work with before the General Investigating Committee could have taken that up, I guess. But uh, yeah, that that part is sort of got uh, myself and I think another a lot of other reporters and perhaps some people in the public sort of scratching their head about like, what's different? Why, why, why now? 
Yeah, and also, James, you mentioned that the securities fraud charges are part of the articles of impeachment. And so the idea that the articles of impeachment are exclusively uh, centered on the whistleblower claims is, you know, you know, exclusively prompted or centered on the whistleblower claims, which are totally separate from the securities fraud charges. That's kind of debunked by the fact that the the you know articles of impeachment are are broader than the um, the whistleblower claims, and they do encompass right. articles related to those years old securities fraud charges. So. Um, you know, but this is the explanation we've gotten from the House. Uh, of course, there's no doubt that there are, you know, uh, when handling something like this, um, there are all kinds of political considerations in terms of how you structure it, the pacing, what you decide to go public with. Um, so, you know, of, of course, the, you know, House leadership is not, you know, pure as the driven snow here when it comes to, you know, bringing <laughs> um, so, you know, that's that that needs to be said. Um, impeachment, as many people have noted, is is ultimately a political act. Political process, yeah. right? You know, and one kind of phrase we have been hearing, and I think we'll continue to be hearing, is uh, forgiveness doctrine, right? This this idea that um, you know a a aid to Paxton kind of brought up that you can't be impeached for actions that happened after the most, I mean, sorry, before the most recent election. All of these things were known to the voters in 2022. The voters had choices. They could have elected one of three other Republican primary opponents of Ken Paxton. They could have elected a Democrat in the general election. They chose not to do that. And so the question being, A, is it appropriate, you know, setting aside the law, um, to kind of, you know, as as Paxton supporters have said, undo the will of the voters. And B, is it legal? You know, is there kind of precedent to suggest that they should only be punishing him for things afterwards? You know, we uh, we don't know whether there will be legal challenges. Um, you know, we should say we're recording this at a little bit after three o'clock on Friday. Ken Paxton has not uh, spoken publicly. He released a statement, but he is giving a press conference at four o'clock today, and we might hear more about that. But I mean, I think a lot of questions still being raised about the House's processes and procedures and all this. Yeah, and and the House tried to address this in their memo, right, Patrick? I mean, they, they said that this quote-unquote forgiveness doctrine that they've thrown around, uh, the Attorney General's office also, it has to be said, sent a lawyer to the General Investigating uh, Committee saying, hey, I want to testify. We should have our fair say in this process. Um, and and then argued to to reporters because he was not allowed to testify that um, that the investigation was illegal and that impeachment of uh, an elected official is limited to alleged crimes made before they were elected in office. But I think they stretched that to say elect the last election is what they said. We've looked at the statute and it says limited to crimes before office. Of course, the House has said that doesn't apply here. Um, and, th and they've shown their precedent here. So I don't know, you know, the Attorney General has not been afraid of, shall I say, novel legal theories. Um, so um, I, I would not be surprised if there was some type of legal argument. And in fact, as we're recording, there's a, a press conference scheduled for later today. So we'll have to see what they say. But um, yeah, a lot of moving parts to, to this happening right now. All right, let's pause for a moment and hear from our sponsors. Lone Star College works for Texas, providing real-world workforce training in state-of-the-art facilities to meet employers' demands. Learn more at lonestar.edu. And... Nearly 4,000 BP employees work to deliver energy in Texas. 
Learn more about our investment in America at bp.com slash investing in America. All right, Patrick, walk us through what happens next here. The How does the impeachment process work from the, I guess, recommendation that was made by the committee? So the House General Investigating Committee says they intend to bring up the impeachment resolution um, at 1 p.m. on Saturday and have a four-hour debate over it. And so we can have a, you know, a vote to impeach um, Paxton, you know, as early as, uh, you know, 5 p.m. on Saturday. Um, this could all be done by then. And, and that vote, you know, as we've detailed on the in all of our coverage, requires just a simple majority of the House members. And so that right now, I believe, is 76 members. Um and you already have 64 Democrats um, who can be expected to vote as a block um, to impeach Paxton. So that means you only need, I believe, 12 Republicans. You already have three Republicans who have voted on the committee to recommend this. Um, and so it's, it's very easy to see how you get to the majority needed in the House. But I think if you're in House leadership, you are you are trying to be mindful of this coming across as a Democratic majority impeachment vote. And so while all Democrats um, are going to vote for uh, impeachment, um, you want to have a sizable number of Republicans, probably ideally the majority of the Republican caucus also vote for impeachment. Um, you know, we've seen um, not that this changes what the Constitution says about what the Senate has to do, but we have seen Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick you know, balk at taking up things from the House that are predominantly fueled by Democratic votes. And so I do think in terms of winning a public opinion battle, um, it probably would be important for this to come out of the House with majority Republican support. That's a complicated kind of political situation here. You know, you have a, um, a, a an attorney general who I think there has been sort of tepid concern raised by, you know, various Republicans in statewide and other offices from Texas about Ken Paxton. But we have not seen really up until this week, Republicans really kind of willing to kind of stick their neck out and, and you know, call for Ken Paxton to resign or, or you know, do anything like voting for impeachment. What do you think, James, of the political dynamics, the 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 differing incentives that the members of the House are going to have to consider here? Yeah, I mean, I think Patrick laid it out very well. I think uh, GOP leadership in the House is probably cognizant of the fact that they don't want this to be um, a super majority of Democrats voting for this, probably want a good, decent amount of Republicans on there. Um, frankly, though, I, I don't know that that's super far off. Like, I think that... Um, the way that the committee has presented its findings, the way it managed the investigation, you know, I think a lot of Republicans in the House are scratching their heads and saying, you know, you know, what kind of sort of why didn't we do this earlier? Um, so it's no doubt a complicated uh, issue. Uh, and, you know, there's probably lobbying going on on both sides. Right. Like, I mean, uh, House leadership, uh, the committee is probably lobbying and will be presenting their case Saturday. Um, and similarly, Ken Paxton probably lobbying folks and saying, hey, uh, I didn't even get a fair shake here. Uh, you know, you're overturning the will of the voters. I hate to re repeat that phrase, but, you know, the voters did have a chance to vote in 20 uh, or last year, um, and they overwhelmingly reelected him. Right. And, and as, I mean, this is a really tough vote, I think, if you're 
um, a Republican anywhere in the legislature, even though we've heard confidence that the votes exist in the House. I, I still think that this is a this is a tough vote for a Republican member of the legislature to defend, um, you know, if they draw a primary challenge next cycle. Um, you know, we've seen repeatedly um, over the years with Paxton scandals that primary voters are aware of them, but don't really are not really interested in all the nitty gritty details because there are a lot of nitty gritty details. I mean, even the even the whistleblower stuff, which is a little easier to understand, you know, has so many different chapters and layers to it. And, um, you know, the average voter, I think, you know, gets lost in it sometimes. Whereas on the other side, Paxton has a pretty politically neat and concise argument to make that it's a witch hunt. You know, it's like it's like Trump. The way they went after, um, and so I think politically, it's 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 a it's a difficult vote for a lot of and, members and, to have to defend electorally. And adding to that, Patrick, he's like a huge conservative warrior rock star for the grassroots. Um, you know, you and I covered that race, and what voters would tell us is like he, you know, people may not like him, people may think he's you know not you know everybody's best friend, but he's getting the conservative things that the grassroots want done. And so, and and I think he mentioned that in his um, in a couple of his statements, basically saying like, <laughs> not these exact words, but the sentiment is like, I am the only thing standing between Texas and uh, liberal Biden uh, chaos, basically. Um, and I think for a lot of Republican voters, that is that is very true. I mean, it seems to me like what this needs, what needs to happen, if this does happen, is you need Republicans to feel like they're all kind of going to go in on this together and that no one's going to kind of be stuck and like shouldering the the blame as being like, I'm the person who stuck my neck out on here it, with possibly the exception of Phelan, who is of course being bashed. And Andrew Murr probably. Yeah. And Andrew Murr. Right. Right. But you know, Phelan being bashed by the right wing uh, left and right over this already, but not a particularly unusual position for him to be in. You know, he took, I would say a similar level of heat for appointing, you know, a few Democratic committee chairs um, uh, at the beginning of this session, to the extent that, you know, maybe he's he's the person who initiates this. And what I think determines whether this goes forward or not is whether he can kind of keep that momentum rolling without too many defections. I think so. But I think, you know, he is used to this, but it is at a more elevated level. But the other thing to talk about is the Senate. Right. And yes. so if they vote, which I think I think probably Republican lawmakers do feel like they have the votes, it goes to the Senate. And then the so the Senate has to actually do the trial for removal. Mm-hmm. Um, and the noteworthy thing, I think, from last night, Patrick, tell me if you agree, is uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's interview with Jason Whiteley, in which he did not throw cold water on it. Mm-hmm. He was very cautious to say. I don't want to speak too much about it because we want to remain objective jurors and it would be inappropriate for us to say anything like that. There's other dynamics there with, of course, Senator Angela Paxton, Ken Paxton's wife. But I don't know, uh, Patrick, what did you make of Dan Patrick's comment there? It it, it struck me that he wasn't throwing cold water on. Yeah, I mean, and also he... I mean, sure, he wasn't attacking it or blasting it or throwing cold water on it, but he wasn't also even saying like it's it's too premature. I mean, when he sat for that interview, we didn't even know if the impe- you know articles of impeachment were going to hit the House floor anytime soon. I mean, it was just, you know, um, from a political perspective, seemed very cautious from Patrick in a way that did not um, benefit Paxton. Um, mm-hmm. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it really honestly feels like, <laughs> I mean, I know I'm a, a younger person. I don't have a lot of history of these kinds of things, but it, it does actually feel like the second Trump impeachment after January 6th, where the House, you know, impeached him. And there was that brief period where it felt like the Senate may go along with it. I don't know if you remember, but, you know, there were leaks in the New York Times that Mitch McConnell was seriously considering whipping votes to remove Trump from off, you know, to, um, you know, go through through with uh, barring him from running for office again. And it seemed like there was a brief period there where, you know, the Republicans could actually get rid of him once and for all. And if um, I have a feeling we're going to have be in the same situation if the House votes to impeach, where it's going to like really fall on Dan Patrick's lap. And there's going to be a period where, you know, it, it's, the you know, Dan Patrick really holds all the cards and can really, you know, banish um, Ken Paxson from Texas political life for good. And so we'll see what happens. And of course, we should note it's a two thirds vote in the Senate in order to uh, essentially remove him from office. I mean, the other interesting factor here is that according to the Constitution, if he is impeached, Paxton must relinquish his duties um, immediately, essentially, um, at least temporarily until the results of the Senate trial. So, I mean, we could have a situation where you know, 24 hours from the point we're talking, Ken Paxton, at least, you know, for all intents and, you know, at least for a temporary period of time is no longer kind of the acting attorney general. Um, Governor Abbott uh, has the option, I believe it's may appoint kind of an interim replacement uh, in that circumstance, according to the constitution. Uh, he, of course, is the last sort of factor in here. Uh, uh, has not really said anything, unless I'm mistaken, uh, about this. How do we evaluate ha uh, Abbott's role in this? And, and you know, maybe does he even really need to say anything? Patrick, you've talked to, I think uh, you've made I, the request. Yeah, I mean, look, journalistically, we're, we're staying on top of him, trying to get a, a, a comment <laughs> out of him on this. Right. Um, and, you know, our readers and the public deserve, uh, you know, transparency into his thinking on this. Politically, totally different thing. I mean, there's no there's no real political incentive I see for Abbott to put his fingerprints on this quite yet. I mean, as we're seeing right now, you know, without Abbott's public, you know, comments, the House has <laughs> been able to get articles of impeachment um, on the precipice of a floor vote and which would imply that they have the votes. And so, you know, at this point, you know, from a political perspective, um, you know, I don't think it, you know, makes sense for, you know, I don't think Abbott has to weigh in to have any influence on the process. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it's quite frankly, it's chaos out there because yeah. <laughs> you do have some people saying like, well, yes, we should consider these things. Uh, but, you know, the Republican Party of Texas, no small player in this has come out and said the impeachment is basically a sham. Yeah. Um, and so there is a, a, a part of the base, the official Republican Party of Texas's stance is that they stand with Ken Paxton. And so there is division, there is chaos, and we're in for a very interesting next 24 hours, I think. Yeah, you know, they're moving very quickly on this. We just found out about this a few days ago. We're looking at a vote on Saturday. I mean, I, I do kind of wonder about the pace, right? Is, is part of that designed to kind of keep the like drumbeat of conservative pushback from scaring members out of votes or anything like that. You know, I mean, if you, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the GOP, we also heard Don Donald Trump Jr. kind of tweet out uh, something in support of 
Paxton, Ken Rittenhouse, not uh, exactly kind of the the dream team of, right. of Republican support, but uh, you know some people who conservatives, yeah. hardline conservatives pay right. attention to as well. And if you were to start to see more folks, if you were to see some kind of major political figures right. speak out, that could possibly sway things one way or the other. Right, Kyle Rittenhouse, Texan question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, to your point, I mean, yes, there is a lot of. There's a lot going on here. And it's not just those voices that you're pointing out. There's also a lot of anonymous voices, right, Patrick, of like these uh, perhaps dark money groups sending out attacks against the speaker now saying like, hey, we we don't need to get rid of um, of Attorney General Paxton. So, you know, the 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 chess pieces are being played and they are moving. Um, so, yeah, it's you know, people buckle up, I guess. Yeah, you know, we'll say, and this was, I made this point in a story I wrote this morning, um, just because it feels like the, you know, at least my tone's been a little cynical toward the House throughout this podcast, but it, it is a huge deal and, um, you know, a, a rare moment of political boldness or courage for the House to go this route. I mean, as we, um, you know, it's Republicans in Texas have largely looked the other way for years and years on Paxton. And, you know, in doing this, the House is is abruptly changing um, that arc of history or seeking a change that arc of history. No attorney general in, in the yeah in the history of Texas has sat for impeachment. So it's a big move. It is a big move. And it is something we will be closely watching over the weekend. Um, a note to listeners, if you enjoy the TripCast, I'm sure we'll be talking about this on Monday when we have our live TripCast at 10 a.m. at the Texas Tribune Studios, 919 Congress Avenue in Austin, downtown, just a few blocks away from the Capitol. So visit texastribune.org slash events if you'd like to come participate in that. In the meantime, we'll let y'all go because we got a press conference in 29 minutes and, uh, you know, this uh, a lot could change in the next 24 hours. So thank you, Patrick. Thank you, James. Thank you to our producer, Justin. And thank you to our sponsors, UT Arlington, BP, Lone Star College, and the Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center. We'll talk to y'all soon. Get ready to explore the latest in politics, public policy, and the media with the lawmakers and thought leaders making the news at the Texas Tribune Festival, happening September 21st through the 23rd in downtown Austin. Discounted tickets are on sale now through May 31st at tribfest.org.